Welcome back to A Game of Two Halves. We're back today for more football talk. And wow, has it been a quiet few weeks? Well, I suppose it hasn't. Ollie, how are you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. Listen, international breaks are always boring, but we're going to attack it head on now, get straight into it. Yeah, thankfully, this international break hasn't been very boring at all. But there's not much going on with Everton at the moment, so we're not going to start with them today like we normally do. Instead, we're going to start with Newcastle. So any Geordies out there, we're talking about you today and you might not enjoy this, but the main topic is multi-club ownership. So, of course, we know that Newcastle are owned by the PIF. We provided 80% of the funds for their takeover and they actually have four Saudi Arabian clubs that they also own. That's Al Nasser, Al Halal, Al Ali and Al Itihad. And the big problem with this is we're coming to a January transfer window and if they want, they can loan players from Saudi back to Newcastle. Is that fair? Of course it's not fair. Listen, they've got a whole pool of players that they can just dip into when they need to. You know, you look at Ruben Neves, for example. He left for a big fee from Wolves in the summer and he could be on Newcastle's radar in the, in the January transfer window on a loan deal because, you know, they've, they've, they're looking light in centre midfield. It actually is a joke the way that they can just do this, but... I think it's not just Newcastle that we can focus on. This whole multi-club ownership thing, you know, a lot of clubs do it. Manchester City do it. Chelsea have got Strasbourg. I think I read somewhere that Crystal Palace have got a link with Leon. And then, obviously, if Everton's takeover with 777 goes through, we'll have a big pool of players from a, a host of different clubs around the, around the world. But I don't know. It, it does seem a little bit like you, you're bending the rules a little bit. And, you know, in an in a age of financial fair play where, you know, as we know, rules are so stringent. Um, yeah, I think it's it's a loophole which clubs are probably going to look to get round. It doesn't seem quite right, does it really? And of course, the Premier League clubs have had a vote on this and 12 clubs voted in favour of the block on loan moves, but eight clubs didn't and you need 14 to pass the vote. So obviously, the eight clubs that didn't are the clubs in majority that have a multi-club model or are looking towards getting one. And... These clubs obviously want to make use of that, don't they? And I don't really think it is fair, is it? I suppose because, you know, if you own multiple clubs, you really can just use them as feeder clubs, sister clubs. Mm. You can bring the young players through with Newcastle. That's the prime example, isn't it? Because it's a player in the prime, Ruben Neves. They've just lost their star midfielder, Sandro Tonali, to a ban. And they can just bring him in in January if they want to. And if they do that, you'd imagine they'd be uproar. But then you can say... But the Premier League didn't vote yeah. for it. They could have blocked this. I mean, what's your opinion on, you know, the actual ratio of having the vote? Because I've got the list here of the, the teams that did actually vote to block this ban. And it was Newcastle, obviously. Sheffield United, which obviously probably comes as a shock to a lot of clubs, but they are actually Saudi-owned. Um, Manchester City, again, no shock. Chelsea, Wolves, Forest and Everton. Now, they're all clubs that have these, you know, other clubs around the world in their pool. Um, do you think that the ratio of votes should be lowered? Do you think it should be a majority, so 11-9 or 12-8? Because at the moment, it's... What did you say it was? 14-6. 14-6. Was that, to me, just looks like if anyone wants any change, say the other 14 want another change, all top six clubs rally together and, you know, it stops change. It's a convenient me, number. Yeah, it? it's a very convenient number. <laughs> so obviously, yes, six teams, if they oppose it, then it doesn't go through. I do think it should be something more like 12-8. 11-9 would be brilliant, wouldn't it? But 12-8 is a noticeable majority, so you'd hope that that could be the case. You look at Everton and go, yeah, 
you can see why they want to do it. And if we end up signing some great players from the likes of Genoa and Standard Liège, then I do not mind. So obviously that's the fickleness of football fans, isn't it? But Wolves have, I think they were in talks with, uh, is it KV Ustende? Mm. They were in talks with them. So they've got links to that, I think, the Fossen group as well. Um, Nottingham Forest, their owner has links to Olympiacos. Yeah, it's his, um, the owner of Nottingham Forest owns Olympiacos as well. And I saw a, a stat last week that the Olympiacos owner and obviously the Nottingham Forest owner lost to West Ham twice in a week. So, yeah, but um, I don't know. As, as you say there, it's it's the fickleness of football, isn't it? Like, obviously we're sitting here now with morality saying it shouldn't happen, you know, for the for the good of football, Newcastle shouldn't be able to dip into a huge play, pool of players in, in January. But, you know, if this 777 takeover goes through, we're then going to have a huge pool of players to go from. And I don't know... From a moral point of view, I think it should be stopped. I think it should have been banned. But, you know, if it helps Everton. It's what it always comes back to, isn't it, (laughs) I suppose. But looking at Newcastle in particular, they do need some reinforcements in January because I think the cracks have started to show Mm. in recent weeks. Of course, they lost the last two games. They lost to Borussia Dortmund and then that damning 2-0 loss to Bournemouth as well. And it's starting to look like perhaps they haven't got the squad to compete on all fronts, do you reckon? Um, Yeah, I think we all knew that Newcastle may struggle a little bit in terms of their squad. Um, You know, these teams, we've seen it with Everton so many times that you go into a a European competition and, you know, it just ruins your performance in the league. And yeah, I think, as you say there, the the cracks are starting to show now because they haven't got that squad depth. You know, who have they got out injured now? They've got some serious names out, out injured. You know, Botman's out injured. Dan Byrne, there's two huge defensive you know, literally huge, that, <laughs> literally huge. Um, but yeah, I think we are starting to see the cracks form now and good. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm I suppose, yeah, it is. It's one of them because Newcastle obviously had that incredible run. And if I was a Newcastle fan now, I wouldn't be thinking, Oh, we're in crisis mode now no. because this is still dreamland, isn't it? Imagine being devastated two years ago that they were bottom of their champions league group. <laughs> you know, it's like first world problems kind of thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, as a Newcastle fan, they they can't really get too ahead of themselves. Like, they have to remember where they were 18 months ago and they were in a relegation battle, faltering around us to go from that to being Champions League football. I think they have to give every credit to, I think it's Dan Ashworth, who is the director of football there. He's made some fantastic signings for them. And Eddie Howe, of course, he's, he's done a really good job there. And I think they just need to understand that it is a process. Like, they can't just go in and say, right, no, we've had a few bad performances. We've got to sack Eddie Howe and, and try and do something because that won't work. I think Newcastle is a club that, that needs to stick by it and they need to have, you know, a, a plan where, okay, we're going to have this this season. We're going to be in the Champions League. Maybe we don't have a good performance in the league. We'll go for Europa League next season. And just, they have to have like a clear roadmap because it's not going to happen overnight. And I think... You know, so many teams up there have fallen foul of it in recent years that they've just jumped the gun and, and sat the manager straight away. So I think, yeah, OK, they're in a bad run of form at the moment, but they just have to stick by it for me. The plan has worked so well so far, and I think they have been really considered in their approach. They have not just splashed the cash like other teams have done when they've got money. And um, they hmm. <laughs> yeah, other teams, hmm. yeah. Manchester City, <laughs> Manchester City being one of them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they have been considered. They have seemed to have bought players who genuinely improved the squad didn't seem to be splashing the cash that much obviously they spent a lot of money but it seemed like they were players that fit kind of that 
that project yeah. that they wanted to go with. You know, young players have come in like Anthony Gordon, and they really have tried to build something rather than just go for instant success. I think their initial signings showed a, a sign of that because you know you look at Kieran Trippier, a, an aging fullback from Atletico Madrid, who many argued was past it and shouldn't be in the England setup anymore. Uh, Dan Byrne, a lot of people turn their heads at that from from Brighton because you know he's a he's a huge fullback that you know didn't really pull up trees at, at Brighton. Um, obviously, Bruno they. The Newcastle fans were very, very happy with that signing because it, that was like their Hollywood signing of that January transfer window. But I think they bought smart and they bought for uh, a good point for where they were in their project, if you get what I mean. Yeah, he's done an unbelievable job since as well with those players. Like Eddie Howe, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I have my doubts about him at first. And whether they trust him long term is going to be interesting mm. now. Will they keep hold of him even through these turbulent times? You know, coming up now, they've got Chelsea, PSG, Manchester United, the huge task of Everton, <laughs> Spurs, AC Milan in their next few games. So this is a real test for Newcastle now. And whether they stick with Howe is going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I think, yeah, this... We keep saying we said this two weeks ago. This period of fixtures in December is really, really testing for a club, and you know Everton will be tested as well with with the size of our squad. We're going to have you know reinforcement issues and injuries and, and, and so on. But yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Newcastle get on in the next few weeks. And yeah, I'm, I'm interested. Just going to take a quick break now, but after the break, we're going to cast our minds back a little bit to the international break and talk about Southgate in England. Welcome back to a game of two halves, and now we're going to talk about England and Gareth Southgate. You know, a long international break, everyone's bored, but we're going to bring it back a little bit, take ourselves away from Premier League football and talk about England. Are you bored of the international break? Are you bored of England? Do you, did you even watch any of the qualifiers, Ellis? I am pleased and proud to say I didn't watch a single minute <laughs> of it, actually, because the interest Actually, is we shouldn't there. have said that, should we? We shouldn't have said that. We need to be like, oh, yeah, we've got full knowledge. We know everything we're talking about with England, but, yeah. No, I've watched every game three times through. <laughs> three times through, guys. Analyzed it to the absolute minute detail. I know every multiplayer from start to end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's safe to say it was a less than convincing international break for England, wasn't it? 2-0 victory against Malta where they totaled three shots on target. Three shots on target against Malta. Come on, lads. And then North Macedonia where we got a fantastic point which put us as the top seed for the Euros in summer. So yes, we have gone down as the top seed for the draw on the 2nd of December, but not really in style. No, we haven't really covered ourselves in glory, have we? It's one of them where... You know, you're just bored to watch England these days. And I think that unfortunately falls on the toes of Gareth Southgate. I think he probably is the right man to take us into the tournament because he's probably a good tournament manager. He's shown that he can get us to semi-finals, a final of Euro 2020, um, an unlucky defeat to France in the World Cup last last winter. Um, but for me, I'd just like to see a manager in there that's going to utilise the attacking power that we've got. You know, we've got some serious players in that England squad. And for me, they're not being utilised at the moment. He's, he's sticking to his favourites of Harry Maguire, Jordan Henderson, when we've got, you know, top players sat at home watching on. Yeah, they have got an unbelievable talent pool now, haven't they? And Southgate's had three tournaments and he has done very well in them. We do have to say that, like, he's come in, he's united that group, he's made England good to watch again as in in, in terms of good to watch in tournaments because we don't get knocked out play style not so much but the fans were brought back together weren't they mm. we saw it in the 2018 world cup we saw it in the euros and then the most recent world cup i think he managed to get the whole country behind that team again so 
unity wise he brought that didn't he he bonded the team and he bonded the fan base with it so yeah that's great and he seems like a great man manager he seems like a good mm. guy yeah, yeah, yeah morally as well he's a good representative of england isn't he he's the model professional yeah he is and he, he i think he he puts on a good front for the fa i think he looks good in that role for the fa i think in if, his waistcoat <laughs> <laughs> not literally i mean like as as the front man he, he's a good man manager and he's he's you know He's one of them that the FA probably like. Whereas, if you had a manager like, for example, I don't know, I, I, we could reel off someone it a who whole fights person. against authority a bit yeah. more. They so, wouldn't like, would they? If it was Jose, for example, yeah, yeah, Jose, Thomas Tuchel, for example, one of those kind of managers in in post for England, you know, that speaks out against media is is quite vocal in the media. Whereas Gareth Southgate, for me, is just he's one of them that he's good for PR, and I think the FA probably want that. And his, his approach to games, it, it did get results and it, it does mean that we're tight at the back. But you mentioned before about the attacking power and this isn't just any old England squad. The players that we've got now, the likes of Jude Bellingham, for example, he is one to talk about in himself because how can we not maximise every little bit of quality that he's got because we have got a hell of a player in our hands and it we need a style of play that frees up these players and allows them to really thrive going forward because we're no longer that mm. team that have to scrape through games and don't have no. to... Like, we could take any team in the world to... We could take the game to any of them because of our attacking power. The one time I did see us take the game to a team was when we played Italy at Wembley, when we won 3-1. And I actually did watch that game, for any, for anyone wondering. Um, Bellingham was so good that night. And I think if you utilise Bellingham going forward, the defensive thing will sort itself out. If you have a solid enough defence that, you know, have the... What's the word? If they have the the actual defensive nous to just stay solid and not concede many goals, the attacking thing will sort itself out. And if you give, say, Bellingham, Foden, I don't know, Grealish, and then have Kane as that man up front that they all can play in their own way and, and can express themselves, that, for me, would be the best approach to a game rather than being defensively solid and just... It, it's almost restricting Bellingham and these players going forward. But we played in moments, didn't we, in these tournaments? We stayed solid, took our chances when we got them, but I don't think we have to do that. And if you've got an attack that is that frightening, you almost it almost helps the defence because if you give them that much to worry about going the other way, then teams can't commit as many people forward anyway. So I'd hope to see perhaps in the long term a more progressive style of coach. I don't know who. Have you got any names for us who you'd hope to take over eventually? I mean, we could, we could talk about anyone, couldn't we? Uh... I don't know. Maybe Graham Potter, to be fair. He's out of a job. That that would be interesting to see how he dealt with that because, you know, at Chelsea, he had a lot of... He got a lot of stick for, you know, he spent a lot of money in that January transfer window. He had a lot of conflicting personalities in that squad. And I think the England squad is a little bit different to that. You know, you have your big names like Bellingham, Kane, Foden, Rashford, Grealish, these big names, but I don't think they're conflicting personalities. I think they would all get on in a group, and I think that's where Potter would thrive in a in a system. So I'd, I'd quite like to see Graham Potter get one. That's just completely off the cuff as well. I wasn't he's not really got a job at the minute, has he? And I'm sure he's still counting his pennies from the uh, the Chelsea <laughs> second. But in that, that Chelsea situation, he was in such a difficult environment, wasn't he? And he had players flying in who probably didn't even want, and he was just... Mm. Todd Bowley was going a bit mad, wasn't he? <laughs> and uh, yeah... Graham Potter, though, he's shown what he can do at Brighton and he's shown that he can coach an attacking style. And if he brought that to England and actually, and it actually works, then we would be great to watch. And maybe that would just recapture the fans because it seems at the minute 
things are souring a little bit and a few fans are like, oh, we need to get rid now. And I suppose with any England manager, the longer you're there, you know, it's the whole hero waiting to yeah, become yeah, the villain yeah. thing, isn't it? He has been the hero for us before, and he probably should have left after the World Cup because yeah, yeah, at yeah. the point now where people are saying, oh, we don't want him anymore. But the fact of the matter is, Gareth Southgate has been a good England manager. Yeah, he has. Day. And I think if, if he'd have left after that World Cup, I think people would have had a, quite a lot of respect for him because he took us to, you know, an, a World Cup semi-final in 2018, a Euros final in 2021, and then a narrow defeat to France where we arguably should have gone to extra time if Kane had slotted that penalty. So I think at the moment he is a very good England manager, but he probably should have left after that third tournament without the success. And it sounds bad, just should have let someone else have a go. Yeah. Do you think England can win this Euros if Southgate stays in post? Can they do it? <sighs> I'm going to say no, because I think that there's too many teams around us that play a... Uh, a better brand of football which can overrun us. I think, you know, you look at France, Italy, these kind of teams, Spain as well, they've got a, a, another young generation coming through which look, look very, very good. I think these teams play better football than us and can overrun us. What do you think? I think they can do it. I think, once again, they can do it, just whether they do or not. And I'd love to back us again and say that we will, but France are just the, that, too that good, pillar in the way. Yeah. France are just consistently good. They produce talent like no other country do they it's actually a joke how good they are like and i think that they probably will win they were the ones who beat us in the world cup and they're probably going to be the ones who'd stop us in the euros but there's a lot more football to be played before the euros isn't there we're going to be going back to the premier league next and we're going to be looking at all the games coming up this weekend Welcome back to A Game of Two Halves. A bit of new music for you there. I do hope you enjoyed it. We're now going to talk about the weekend of football that's coming up now. Footy is back. Well, the football that we care about the most <laughs> is back. The Premier League is back. And it all starts at 12.30 on Sky Sports, which is normally the BT slot, but something's changed there. Manchester City take on Liverpool. A game where they've been at some incredible games of that in the past when they were fighting at the top of the table when Manchester City won the league most times of course when Manchester City hit 98 points and Liverpool only managed 97 and we come into this game in a position similar to that actually Manchester City are top Liverpool are second one point is the gap which is very familiar for Liverpool fans very very familiar and you know it's going to be a good game isn't it that's that's always one on the calendar that people look at and go, yeah, that's going to be a very good game. 12.30 on a Saturday, though. I think, you know, a certain Mr. Klopp might not be very happy with that timing. Oh, he's never a fan of it, is he? He's never a fan. Of course, Liverpool seem to be given the most 12.30s of everyone, but he just doesn't seem to be able to deal with the fact that the TV companies decide when the game's on, and apparently his players can't wait two weeks to get ready for this game. And, it's yeah, it's such a shame. I really I feel so bad for him, but... Maybe something else might take over the headlines in this Manchester City-Liverpool game. Everton are actually going to be flying a plane over the Etihad with something related to uh, the grievances about the points deduction. And maybe or maybe not that will get shown on television. But back to the City-Liverpool game. Who's winning that? Um, Manchester City, 3-1. Straight up. Yeah. No complaints from me. Manchester City win that. Absolutely. I think it'll be a really good game. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with two and I'll say it'd be tighter. But Liverpool are a good side, aren't they? We hate to say it, but they are. A... Nah, don't, don't <laughs> give them that. Don't give them that. But Man City haven't quite 
hit the groove yet, have they? We know that they don't try until March, and then they just, <laughs> then they just turn it on. Pep's just experiments for a few months, and then he decides to try in the uh, latter stages of the season. But that that is why I think it might be a bit of a closer game. But City really need to stamp down this Premier League now because it's starting to come a bit of a free horse race isn't it and then you've got a real title race which I'm sure Pep doesn't want yeah but as you said they just they pull away don't they they always just seem to to get to a point where they just turn it on and they'll win like 20 games in a row and I think that starts against Liverpool on on Saturday hopefully it does and then they get a nice stutter on the 27th of December when they play Everton so maybe (laughs) they win 20 games in a row and just lose to us that could be an option. I mean, they usually do drop points to us, don't they? So, you know, stranger things have happened. <laughs> Other than Manchester City, Liverpool, when we get into the later games in the day, Chelsea play Newcastle, and this game is no longer a foregone conclusion as it may have been a few weeks ago. Chelsea are back, could we say? Could yeah, we say Chelsea I'd, are back? I'd, I'd say so. I think Chelsea are getting there, aren't they? You know, they've, they've beaten Spurs, who were high flying. I know Spurs played that ridiculous high line with Ange and, when they were down to nine men. <laughs> what a game. So... But yeah, no, Chelsea, Chelsea are back for me. I think that'll be a really good game. One to watch for me. Yeah, Pochettino's got on playing some good football. Mm. Chelsea are actually finally tolerable to watch. Because <laughs> for how many years were Chelsea an absolute pain to watch? Oh, they've always been a pain to watch. I've always not liked watching <laughs> Chelsea. But no, I think that'll be a good game. That I think in terms of a prediction, um, I'm going to go 2-1 Chelsea. I think Newcastle, as we spoke about in the last section, I think Newcastle are, are stumbling a little bit. And I think Chelsea can capitalise and, and win that 2-1. I think Chelsea will nick it 1-0. We're both backing them, though, which is very interesting. Of course, they'll be buoyed by the unbelievable 4-4 against Manchester City. What an insane game that was. That was mad, wasn't it? It It's a mental game. Cole Palmer Prime prime Barclays, that's what it was. (laughs) (laughs) It was just insane, and, you know, we don't get to see many 4-4s, and it brought me back to the um, incredible 4-4 that we saw in 2012 when Everton drew with Manchester United. Jelovic. What a day that was. That was good. What a day that was. And obviously Newcastle have had their own 4-4 as well against Arsenal before. So I'd like to see another 4-4 at the weekend. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. But Brentford take on Arsenal in the 5.30. And when Brentford are at home, the Sky love getting all the fans involved, doing their um, free-from-desire dance and all that kind of stuff. But Arsenal have got to go and deliver another professional performance on the road, haven't they, and stay in this fight. That's a tough game for Arsenal, I think. I I think, you know, Brentford apart from when they played Everton in September, have been relatively solid at home. And I think, you know, their fans, as you say, that they, they create an atmosphere where it's it's positive, it, it wills on the players rather than, you know, gets on the back. So I think Arsenal need to be professional, as you say. They need to go into that game and, and deliver a performance where they just try and see out the game early doors. They try and score two, three in the first half. But, you know, that that is a banana skin game there for, for Arsenal. I think Brentford can do something. I think they've got a chance, certainly, with the form that uh, Brian and Bomo's on at the minute. I think he could definitely mm. get a goal. But if you look at the weekend as a whole, what is the standout game for you? What's the one that you're thinking, this is the one to watch here? It's got to be Everton-Manchester United, hasn't it? Half four, Sunday, on Sky. Could be fireworks there. Could be fireworks. There could literally be fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows without Everton fans these days? We could do anything, but... Yeah, that is a massive game and there's a reason why it's 4.30 on Sky and even before everything that has happened since. Manchester United in a bit of crisis mode, even though they're in the best form in the league in the last five games, it still feels like Ten Hag is kind of stumbling a bit and isn't too far off getting the chop. I said this yesterday on the Blue Corner and it was that Ten Hag is still 
two, three bad results away from a from a sacking. And I stand by that. I, I don't think he's got the minerals to be a Manchester United manager. And I think that's going to start on Sunday. I think he's going to crumble on Sunday and we're going to win. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? And I'm sure we'll talk about that in the weekly rundowns to come and in other times. But as we said, there's not much to talk about Everton today. So we're probably not going to talk about them that much. But on Sunday as well, Tottenham do play Aston Villa. And that's two teams who have been really good so far. Obviously, Spurs are facing a lot of trouble at the moment with their injuries. But Aston Villa, could they beat them? They could. I think Aston Villa are a team that look very, very good under Unai Emery. And I think they're, they're one of the teams that... A lot of people at the start of the season kind of wrote off and, you know, Spurs, we said this two weeks ago on this show, they look like, I don't want to say like they're finished, but they're very, very worrying in terms of their squad. They've got a lot of injuries there. I don't think there's any high profile players coming back from injury, but no, Aston Villa can definitely do something there. I think it will be two all that game. I'm going to go. To all. It's going to be a good Super Sunday, isn't it? This is obviously a battle from fourth and fifth. They're currently one point separates them both. And Mad. Aston Villa are pushing, aren't they? Aston Villa could really push for a top four this season, maybe was, if they can keep it up. Yeah, I was going to say, a lot of people, as I said before, wrote them off at the start of the season. But, you know, under an Iamri, they've not lost a game at home in so long, have they? And they could, they could do it. I, I think they could do it, personally. So much can change, can't it? We're 12 games in now and we're going into this incredibly busy period where a lot of teams have seven, eight games to play and you come out of this and you really look and go, what are our expectations now? And I think that's where teams can then go, we've got to a point, we've played 20 games, what is our actual goal? And Aston Villa's, will it be top four or will it be Europe? Who knows? So, well, there's going to be no break for the teams, but we're going to take a little break now. And listen, you thought you were getting away without hearing about Everton. No chance. Absolutely no chance. We're going to rant about our points deduction after this. Welcome back to A Game of Two Halves. Now, listen, we promised you a rant and we're going to give you a rant. Everton have been given a 10-point deduction by the Premier League for a breach of financial fair play rules. Ellis, initial thoughts? What are we thinking? <sighs> just when we thought there'd be two weeks without anything to worry about with Everton and just when you thought that we wouldn't be talking about it, well, we are and we have to. Everton found in breach of profit and sustainability rules. We were, de- we were deemed over the limit by 19.5 million. So, of course, if anyone doesn't know the profit and sustainability rules, you can't lose more than 105 million pounds over three years. We lost 124.5 million pounds, according to the independent commission that looked over 28,000 documents. That's why it took eight months to do. And they've come up with the biggest sporting sanction in top flight history, which is just devastating to be honest and we were on 14 points we're now on four we're joint bottom of the premier league with burnley above them on goal difference and what do we do now (laughs) what do we do now i think you know it shows how good our start to the season was after the brentford game that we were that far ahead of the relegation zone that we're only joint bottom now and i think that's testament one to the squad two to sean dyche and three to the fans because they've stuck by them and i think for me that's what we've lacked in seasons we've lacked togetherness and i think this points deduction is going to galvanize us more and we're going to get now to the point where it's going to be like us versus the world but from the points deduction point of view how do you have a sporting sanction of 10 points for something that didn't gain a sporting advantage. That, for me, is where I just I don't get it. I just do not get it. And I think that's where the Premier League have made such a big mistake because they've set a very dangerous precedent there. It's so confusing how excessive it is as well. 10 points is more than anyone has ever received before. Teams that have gone into administration have received nine. 
and we so would it have been better would it have been better to go into administration then I don't, I don't get it it makes no sense and we've been working closely with the Premier League for two years they've signed off our accounts whether that's players in players out we've been working with them so you would think that we wouldn't end up being in breach and of course we were found to be in breach and now we have to deal with these consequences and Everton are going to lodge an appeal expected to be in before the end of the week and hopefully we can get it reduced in some way because 10 points is just excessive it really is way too much and it now takes us to a point where we'd need to get 50 points to guarantee that 40 points staying in the Premier League which I think we can by the way I, I think we still stay up with the points deduction don't listen to rival fans by the way saying that oh they'll be fine there's four teams worse than them don't listen because they're just that creates a false sense of security I do think we've got the squad there to get 50 points but you know, rival fans will look to, to use that to put us down. Um, in terms of that, it's so excessive. 10 points for something that wasn't even one for a sporting gain. It was for stadium payments, which we are f- funding our own stadium by ourselves to regenerate an area of Liverpool, which, you know, Everton fans will know isn't the nicest of areas at the moment. It's going to be when the new stadium's built. Why are we getting punished for that? You know, we're looking to bring jobs to a city. We're looking to, to create jobs for a, a club. You know, we're going to bring happiness to a fan base for a start and we're funding it ourselves. I think there was there was something that if we took a bank loan, it would have been, we wouldn't have breached profit and sustainability regulations. How? You know, that's taking a bank loan is not sustainable in profit and sustainability. It doesn't make sense. It just does not make sense. And that for me is where, you know, the anger is directed towards the Premier League. You know, people will say corrupt, whatever. You know, that's that's fine. That's a fine opinion. For me, that's where the anger is. It's it's unjust. It's unfair. Oh, it's totally unfair. And you can only look at recent examples of people breaking the rules. Six teams tried to leave the Premier League. They signed documents to join a Super League and break the Premier League up. Obviously reduce the Premier League to 14 teams and just get away with it. And they did, didn't they? They were left with a fine of £3 million each approximately, I think. And no points deduction. And it was a judge at the time that they can't punish the fans, which is why they didn't give a points deduction. Whereas now they can punish the fans, apparently. Joke. Genuinely, it's a joke. It's, It's not even confusing. It's a joke. And genuinely it's people who've listened to the blue corner yesterday will know how angry and upset i get because it's a joke the fact that the big six teams can literally sign documents to leave a league leave the pyramid of english football and get a slap on the wrist with a fine and we want to fund our own stadium with our own money get a 10 point deduction which could be detrimental to our status as a premier league club that is an absolute joke well, Everton fans are going to mobilise now, aren't they? Without a doubt. We know what Everton fans are like. They will die for this club and do absolutely everything to stick by them through this. And I think the fans are going to come together now. And despite anybody's opinions about any players, any manager, it's going to be everyone as one, isn't it? Absolutely. I think the testament to the work that the 1878s have done this week, because they're going to create some atmosphere on Sunday against Manchester United. And you know what? beware Manchester United because that is going to be an absolute bear pit Goodison Park on Sunday I would not want to be Man United probably all that referee in that game to be fair on Sunday absolutely not I think it's going to be wild and obviously non-Evertonians the the 1878s are a fan group who have organised things to try and improve the atmosphere at Goodison Park and they've brought quite a lot of things in such as banners and 
different different ways of improving the atmosphere. But Everton fans have managed to raise nearly forty thousand pounds on a just giving page. I think it is over forty thousand now. <laughs> I think it is over For, to try and make sure that we can really express our disapproval at this points deduction and. They, they're going to use that money for some banners. They're going to use it for cards for fans to show up. Just a general way of expressing the disapproval of the fan base. And I think it's going to really, really make a message at 4.30, the main game on Sky Sports, live to millions, the world, actually. And you know it's going to be peaceful with Evertonians as well. You know, we've we've shown it so many times over the season as, as a fan base that we can protest peacefully. And this on Sunday will be no different. Obviously, we're going to make our voices known and we're going to be heard from, you know, all around the world because it's it's the televised half-four game on a Sunday. But, no, for me, testament to the work they've done because it's going to be some atmosphere and it's going to be a peaceful protest and we're going to make our voices known. It seems like now as well, Everton are surely like favourites to win this game. Now, you'd think that Everton are going to be really really up for it and I do believe now that we can go and beat them now whereas before it might have been a case of well Man United have done really well in recent games but I feel like now Man United could crumble under that pressure I I don't think I'm not saying that we're favourites because we're not we're definitely not United have a better squad on paper than us but that being said the atmosphere as you say that they're going to crumble and I think that is where we can we can really you know just I don't know I don't want to be like saying now we're going to win it's fine we're favourites because I don't want to jinx it for a start and two I I genuinely don't believe we are favourites I think United still can hurt us but I think the atmosphere they'll crumble well Eric Ten Hag is in the director's box as well as he's facing a a touchline ban so they haven't got their um, inspiring personality on the touchline maybe can you you call him that maybe he's not that (laughs) I don't know if you can call him an inspiring personality I definitely don't think you can I said that very tongue in cheek (laughs) after our conversation on the last show two weeks ago Man United are in incredible form but nobody would know that based on the media noise around it but I think we can give them a game and I think that you look at that game and if we sit tight, defend properly, and then make use of the time when we're on the break. We always talk about the same way. You've got to let these teams just have the ball, haven't Mm. you? It's not the ideal way of playing at home, but Man United don't want the ball either, so give them it. Yeah, that's that's true. I think we have to kind of... I know you said this on the blue corner yesterday, but we have to play as the away team, and it's disappointing to say that because we're the home team, but, you know, if we want to win games, we want to get out of this situation, that's the way we have to play. And I'm fully backing of them now. That's. I know there was probably a few doubts... Um, a couple of weeks ago from how I felt over Sean Dyche but for me now I've just got to back him and as a fan base we just have to galvanise together and, and just get behind them So who is it that you're most worried about at Manchester United that is going to hurt us because you'd mentioned about how good a squad they have on paper but who is it that's really worrying you about this game? I'm not 100% on the fitness of Hoyland or Rashford I think if they're fit they're two good players and two that could really hurt us um, I know Casemiro's not fit I know Ericsson's not fit so in midfield they'll have McTominay he always seems to bag against us him. he's painful to play against him um, I don't think there's any Onana in goal is there for United I think not? I, I, I'm not 100% sure um, so they've got a, a, a weakened squad let's say but yeah, I think if Hoyland's fit or Rashford's fit, I think they're the two players that could hurt us. I think any team that's got Bruno Fernandes in as well. Oh, I forgot about him. I, I wanted to forget about him. <laughs> However much of a divisive character he is, he's a very, very good player. And he's scored a few times against Everton before as well, hasn't he? Good from set pieces, great on the ball, can play some great 
passes through to maybe Hoyland, maybe Rashford, whoever yeah, yeah. that may be. And they've got the likes of Garnacho on the bench as well. It's not with with Manchester United. It's not a case of the first eleven deal with them. Mm. It's the rest, isn't it? And hopefully substitutes don't play too much of a part in this game because we know that they have more firepower than us. I think they've got a good squad. Um, we've got a decent squad. I think we can get at them. Yeah, I, I think so. I'm going to go with a nice 2-0 Everton victory. What did I say yesterday on the blue corner? I said 3-1 because, you know, the Premier League will try and put in a dodgy VAR call somewhere and, <laughs> and try and mess us up. But no, nah, 3-1 will win. Easy. Goodison is going to be absolutely wild. And we're now going into a month where we've got eight games and this is where Everton really pull away from that drop zone and show that... Yeah, we can stay up with a points deduction. Imagine what we could say at the end of a season if we were like, we've just stayed up with 10 points deducted. What I was thinking is, imagine if we're, you know, well clear of the relegation zone. If for whatever reason the appeal's successful and we get our 10 points back, European charge. <laughs> <laughs> but if we get 50 points, what an achievement that is to go yeah. from last season. If we achieve 50 points in the Premier League this year, that's a massive improvement. So despite the, the points deduction, we have to look at our points total without the 10 points, don't we, overall when we reflect on our season. But you've heard our Everton rant now. It was always going to happen. You knew it was going to happen. <laughs> we're disappointed, but we're going to get through it. Welcome back to a game of two halves. That was Corella, a small band from Manchester. If you haven't heard them, please go and listen to them. They're an absolutely fantastic band. And I thought we'd give some airtime to some of the smaller bands on LSRA because that's what we do on a game of two halves. Listen, now we're bringing back a fan favourite. It's Upset of the Week, as you all know. We'll start with yours, Alice. What is your Upset of the Week? And actually, I have a little disclaimer. You know, we had an Upset of the Week a couple of weeks ago and Ellis actually didn't follow through with his word and he didn't put out on his Super 6 for Burnley to beat Arsenal. He actually <laughs> he actually backed Arsenal. So, you know, take this with a pinch of salt, guys. But go on, Ellis, go. Needs must, guys. Needs <laughs> must. When there's a league to be won and when there's money on the line in said league, you have to do certain things, don't you? And Burnley to beat Arsenal was always going to be a bit of a stretch. And unfortunately, Burnley didn't beat Arsenal. And I don't know if Burnley are going to beat anybody this year. <laughs> but... <laughs> But yeah, they didn't do what I thought they'd do. But this time, guys, this one is going to happen. And I think Nottingham Forest are going to beat Brighton. Ooh, is that an upset? I think Nottingham Forest are a good side anyway. Oh, it's definitely but an it, upset. It is though. an upset because Brighton are a fantastic side and they've, you know, they've looked so good this season and last season as well. But yeah, that's an interesting one. I'm, I'm, I'm interested by that. Yeah, Joe Dainty, if you're listening, Nottingham Forest fan, I'm back in your team. And I think you'll probably be able to see why I really... Brighton obviously haven't been quite themselves this season. I think that that way of playing, it's just leaked too many goals they've conceded in every game that they've played in this season. Wow, so bad. it seems like they're going to leak a goal at some point in that game. And Nottingham Forest at home, they do have something about them. A bit similar to us in that sense that the atmosphere is good there. We went last year, it was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah. And I think Nottingham Forest can do that. They've got a good team, haven't they, really? Tyler Arwenie up front, I don't know if he's fit. Not 100% sure, but... Listen, if he is fit, he's a, he's a top striker, and I think he's one that, that Nottingham Forest, Forest fans really, really like. Um, yeah, that's that's an interesting one. I think what you said about Brighton leaking goals is is a good one because you know we went there last season and, and put five past them. 
we're still we're still milking it. We're, we're still mentioning it. But... Are we actually mentioning that again? <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that's an interesting one. I think that could happen actually. I've gone for a little bit of a different one. I've gone for Luton to beat Crystal Palace. Ooh. And you know that's that's probably quite shocking because you know Crystal Palace a solid outfit. They, they don't leak a lot of goals apart from three against Everton two weeks ago. Um, yeah, Luton are one of them that they're going to have to rely on home form this season, and they're going to have to rely on the fans to get them over the line. I think Kenilworth Road, a close atmosphere. I think Luton will win 1-0. Wow, that would be huge for Luton, wouldn't it? And Crystal Palace have got a good record on the road this mm. season. They're sixth in the Premier League for away form. So that will be a big shock if that happens. And Luton are the team in that, obviously, bottom four before the points deduction, <laughs> that I felt like they had something about them, as in the quality isn't there, but that fighting spirit might just get them points where other teams don't. And maybe this could be the start of that real push for them. Yeah, that, I, was, I was agreeing with you there. I think... Luton were one of those teams that would rely on the home form and rely on the the home atmosphere to get them over the line. I think, obviously, we we can't deny they've they've not got the quality as of some teams that in the Premier League. You know, you look at Everton. I'm I'm, I'm, put, I'm putting us <laughs> I'm putting us in this get in. I'm putting us in this battle because we're we're down there on paper at the moment. I don't think we'll be in there at the end of the season. But Burnley have quality. They have decent players there. You know, we saw them in the Carabao Cup. Um, that Mike Trezor <laughs> they were great weren't they <laughs> I, know, I know we beat them but they, they have got good players there Sheffield United uh, I think are another team like Luton that haven't got the quality and I don't think they've got the, the minerals to stay in the Premier League Bournemouth are an interesting one because I think you know Iriola once he gets it right and once it clicks it, it could go well for him they have decent players there obviously I said Everton because we're in and around there, <laughs> on paper um, Nottingham Forest are in, in and around there at the moment I think out of them teams, Luton don't have the quality, but they have that thing about them where their home form could carry them over. And I think if the, the fans rally together and give them a good atmosphere, that's where they'll start seeing performances and points on the board. Now, do you prefer a team like Luton being in the Premier League or would you rather it when, say, Nottingham Forest came up? Because I was so pleased to see Forest come up at the time because they are such a huge club. And I want the Premier League to be full of big, historic teams. And it's good to see Luton for a bit of fun, but if they do end up getting a really poor points total is it a case of oh I wish it was a team who perhaps competed more or do you like the novelty of those really small teams getting into the Premier League I think the novelty wears off doesn't it I think you'd like to see a team like Leeds back in the Premier League I know I know, I know we probably don't really like them we are live on LSR so we, have to be careful <laughs> we love we, Leeds <laughs> we have to be careful what we say here but no teams like Leeds even Leicester they've got a little bit more history than Luton they've just got a little bit more about and I think the novelty wears off after like two three months and it's just like why are these guys here <laughs> well these guys might pick up three points according to you at the weekend yeah. so nottingham forest is mine hopefully that happens hopefully that happens for you joe as well if you're listening <laughs> and luton's for you i don't know if we've got any luton fans i say we don't want that to happen either because they'll go further away from us but you know i've i've backed them i think it'll happen and i back us as well i back us to not have to worry about Luton's results this season. Hopefully we can get ourselves clear of it. It's been a very tough couple of weeks, as you've heard from our rant today, but we had to talk about it and we had to get it off our chest and we are absolutely behind this team in this pursuit to stay in the Premier League with this 10-point deduction and we will back them through absolutely everything without a doubt. We do hope you've enjoyed today's show. We've talked about everything. We've talked about Newcastle, we've talked about England, the Premier League, the international break, but we now have got Premier League football until March, which is just brilliant, isn't it? It's the best, isn't it? The, the, the December period, you know, the festive period, it's the best time for football and I'm looking forward to it. Let's get into it. Can't wait. Eight games, eight Everton wins. That would be absolutely lovely. But <laughs> if you did enjoy, do leave us a comment. 
Let us know what you think. Follow us on all of our socials. Do leave us a five-star rating on Spotify too. Please do. But we hope you enjoyed. See you in a bit.